Welcome back here inside the 600 KGEZ studios as we're getting ready to talk some high school hoops as well as the NCAA tournament. And joining me inside the Whitefish Credit Union studios, I should say, is Jeff Epperly, Flatted legend, Montana State legend as well, assistant coach with the Flatted Braves basketball team right now. Jeff, it is great to chat with you once again, man. Hope you're doing well today. Excited. It's March Madness. We had the AA high school and all the high school tournaments. Now we get a followed up. Finally, finally, after last year's uh, absence of the tournament, we, we get an NCAA tournament, so I'm excited. Here's my question for you, because like, I mean, I won't, I won't ask about Friday, because I know what a lot of people are probably going to do, but they're not telling their bosses about. But Saturday, Sunday, what do you plan on doing? Because I plan on just sitting in front of my TV with a good spread of drinks and snacks and just watching college basketball all day. Yeah, that's what I'll probably be doing. I'm going to be doing it down in Florida, though. I'm going to go Aww. down to Florida tomorrow, uh, take a little vacation. And, um, Where are you I'm guys going? Down there, but I'm going to go down, and we'll be watching games. And um, Nice. I'll have my computer as well as the big screen. So, Well, yeah. i gotta, I got to ask a favor, Jeff. If you can yeah. grab me a Tom Brady jersey while you're down there, that'd ah, be fantastic. <laughs> that might be. That might, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure I'll do a little shopping. <laughs> but I'm a Brady fan. You know, I'm a New England Patriot fan. And so okay. when Brady jumped over to the Bucks. You can't help but follow Tom Brady. You know, he's, <laughs> well, he especially when the, the Patriots are struggling yeah. a little. <laughs> That's right. They struggled, so it was easy to root for the Bucks this year. <laughs> um, well, Jeff, uh, let's let's start with this. Uh, you and I talked about this last week, the state tournament. You talked about Great Falls. You talked about Skyview. You talked about how Skyview you thought might be able to get past Sentinel. They definitely did. Skyview taking on Great Falls, and they win. They beat Great Falls, a team they hadn't beaten all season. Yeah, it was a, a great showing by Skyview. Skyview was ready. You know, sometimes, as we always say, it's hard to beat a team three times. Um, but I think the Skyview coach, Coach Kevin Morales, did a great job preparing his kids for that title game. Mm-hmm. They played a 3-2 defense, which was super aggressive. They, were, uh, they communicated very well in it. And, you know, without Drew Wyman um, manning up and making some shots, that might've been a 20, 25 point blowout. Wyman kept them in it. Mm-hmm. Torgerson and Wyman rallied their team from 15 down. I think it was 52, 37 at one point late in the third, early fourth. And they rallied to tie it, but that was just great individual performances by Torgerson and Wyman. But Morales and Skyview did a great job. They were ready. They were prepared. Um, and it was close, but they pulled it off. They did a fantastic job. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, again, a lot of credit to Kevin Morales and Billing Skyview for what they've done. And so my next question leads you to this because we really, I haven't heard anybody at least talk about it this way. Maybe in radio stations and Billings they are. But I think you got to credit Kevin Morales with what he's done now and what he's done in the past with a dynasty at this point because he's got four championships at this point. He does. He has four championships in seven years. And he has a third place uh, t- uh, presentation in there in the middle, a trophy. So he has five trophies in seven years, and he's just done a tremendous job. I think the key what he does, as you can probably tell watching his teams, he really has good relationship with his players, mm-hmm. and they really develop. I think he's into player development, and he matches his talent um, to what uh, they can do. So his X's and O's match his talent. Um, he's low-key. I think he creates a really good atmosphere, it seems like. And those kids play hard, and they're aggressive. They make mistakes because of that. But, boy, they just kind of get better as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's his thing. Let's, get, let's be really good by the end. And his teams have risen. Even last year's team that ended up being co-champs with Hellgate, that team 
was kind of, they kind of worked their way through the season, and then they were one of the best teams at the end. I don't know if they could have beaten Hellgate, mm-hmm. but I just, a tremendous job by Morales. He has a, a way in doing things. He works very hard at it, but uh, they are creating a great atmosphere for kids to grow and develop, and I think that's their key. With Morales, I mean, and, and obviously, as you mentioned, you know, five trophies in seven years, four of those coming at championship form. Because we, we talk about the legendary coaches. Has Morales, you think, entered that conversation just yet? Or does there still need to be, we, we still need to see more I from think Alex? we see, need to see some longevity. I mean, okay. um, I mean, he may not win another one, and but there's a good chance he's going to have some teams there again. And I think he understands that, too. Mm-hmm. I think he has a very good, I heard an interview um, just in this, during the state tournament that uh, some broadcasters had with Morales, and he was talking you know, long-term. He understands, I think, in general, the history of coaching in Montana. And I think he has some desires to be a Hall of Fame coach, which means you have to have some longevity mm-hmm. and do it over a long period of time. So I think, I think he has a long-term perspective. And I think he's one of those coaches that's going to continue to learn, grow, and adapt to the kids around him. And I think they're going to be around for a long time, Morales and the Skyview team. Yeah, they're, they're going to be tough to beat for sure, and they're not going to go anywhere, I imagine, the next couple of years. And with that being said, here, uh, Jeff, let me get your thoughts on this. At least in terms of the Western AA, I don't know how much is coming back from the East. I know Great Falls loses a lot, but they still have Harris, obviously. Yeah. But how wide open do you think this thing is? At least, I know it's way too early to look yeah. at, but how open do you think this thing well, is? Well, I, I think it's going to be wide open, especially in the West. I think Capital, and and I think I mentioned this last time, I think Capital, Helen the Capital and Glacier had... Pretty good JV teams, but they got some good pieces coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think those two will kind of lead the charge in the West. But other than that, it was a little bit of a turnover year. There was a lot of talent across the state mm-hmm. that was in the senior class. I think a lot of kids in this senior class this past year probably can play college ball at some level. And I think it was a, it was a really good class in terms of talent. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a turnover. There's some young talent in the state. Uh, and that started to come up through some of the teams, as you saw, that entered the state tournament. You know, uh, like you said, the, the kid from Great Falls, Peyton mm-hmm. Sanders, who was the MVP of the state tournament, was only a junior. Wow. And he's got a little brother that's coming up, and they've got a lot of talent coming. So I think they're going to be uh, a lot of good young players are going to kind of rise up. And that's the exciting part. Every year we get to see kids in the offseason grow and develop and change teams change mm-hmm. during the summer. And we'll see what uh, happens as we start the season next fall. And then looking at this as well, because as we mentioned, a lot of you know great players are going to be graduating. So you've been in this coaching game. You, you've seen the players come through here. So let me get your thoughts. Was this one of the more talented years in terms of individual talented basketball players? I think so. It's some unique talent. Um, you know, Germer at mm-hmm. 6'8", but yet he could shoot and handle the ball and post up unique and you you don't see that every year in the double a or in any classification in montana then you got rhett reynolds uh the kid from up north in the class b he signed with the grizz um you you have you know just a lot of drew wyman Mm -hmm. super explosive um a dunking machine a great shooter and competitor you got point guards i think even flat has had two or three kids that can play college so you're going to have a number of kids, I think, from this class, I think, as they make their way into college, that are going to be able to play at some level. That's going to be interesting, too, is because you mentioned that. We, I think we, I, I completely agree with you. We have a lot of great uh, players that can play college basketball. My curiosity is going to be, 
where do you think that is? Is that going to be a lot of great frontier conference guys? I know Coach Danny Sprinkle's shown he's willing to go get Montana kids. Yeah. Um, to cure, he's only got Mac Anderson so far, so I think Montana kids kind of have to wow him to get on his roster. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I mean, do you especially the flathead kids? Let's talk about you know even your son Ezra. We talk about Hunter Hickey. We talk about Ethan, um, Gabe Adams. Even are you hearing anything with those guys? Yeah, I think they all have some desires. I, mm-hmm. I know my son has a desire to play college basketball. I know Gabe Adams does. I've talked to Hunter Hickey. He wants to play. Um, Ethan Vandenbosch was one of the seniors. He's going to go play soccer. That's right. He's playing college soccer. That's He's right. He's going to play college soccer. And then, you know, even Justin Kripe, who is going to be returning next year. He's a junior. He wants to play D1 college basketball, he told me the other day. So there's a lot of kids who really want to play. Uh-huh. Now, will they get scholarships? I mean, one of the things, the whole landscape of college basketball has changed. When I played, it was you signed and you were scholarshiped, and many times it was a four-year scholarship. Right. Everything's one year. They split scholarships up. There's the transfer portal. that um, So there's a lot more movement with players. There's also preferred walk-on programs. So I think, yeah, you might see a lot of kids play college basketball to the senior class in the state of Montana, but they might do it in a variety of ways. Yeah. Uh, Frontier Conference, certainly it'll be several that will land in the Frontier. There could be some junior college just that will pick up some of these kids. And there might be, you know, Germer signed at Montana State. I'm sure that's a yeah. kind of a full-ride scholarship deal. But it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Plus the other thing, Anthony, is that, you know, this, the upperclassmen, the seniors in college have the opportunity to come back if they desire. They get an extra year. Right. And that, in some cases, will make a big difference in how many kids they do pick up into the program as uh, freshmen. That'll be really interesting to see what happens. And speaking of the transfer portal, we know uh, Tiana Johnson, she entered the transfer portal. Yes, Tiana entered. I saw that. Uh, a couple Bobcats entered. Mm-hmm. Um What's his name? Caleb Belloc entered. Who's yep, from Manhattan yep, Christian. Yep, yep and, Caleb uh, Belloc, yep. Yep, and I, I, I think the kid's name is Hood is his last name. He mm-hmm. also entered the transfer portal for Montana State. So it's a very common thing. You can pick players up, but you can lose players. <laughs> and Montana, it seems, has done that quite often. They've picked players up, but they've lost players too. Right. So it's an interesting dynamic for coaches. Um, much more like a G League or an NBA feel where where players can move around. They can transfer through that portal once in their career, and that's it. But um, there's lots of players that are taking advantage of it. No, no question about that. With that being said, we're here with Jeff Epperly as we are talking high school basketball. Jeff, still a lot to get to here, but I want to get your thoughts on this because I'll be talking to Jeff Welsh here in about 10 minutes about this, and his column was about the Big 32. What do you think about that and, and bringing that back? I'm, I'm kind of with the thought I'd love to bring it back in terms of after the state tournament, you play it maybe a week after or give it a week or two weeks, but you got to get it done after the state tournaments. I think I'd like to see it that way. Oh, I think it would be – I love the concept. I think it would um, – it brings you back to the roots of, of basketball essentially in this country, back to Indiana – and all classifications, and you had the small school playing the big school, all the way back to 1928. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to uh, the biography on John Wooden, and Wooden played in 1928 in Hinkle Fieldhouse, where they're going to play some of the games for the NCAA tournament this year. And his team lost to Muncie. He was from Martinsville, and it was small Martinsville against the gigantic school Muncie. And it was a great game, went down right to the wire. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's the exciting part of it, where you can see teams 
you know, basketball is a little bit different than any other sport. And right. You, you just need five good ones or maybe even three good ones and you can compete at any level. And that's the attraction to this big 32 concept that Jeff Welsh is talking about. And, and, and literate with teams from all classifications, uh, it would be fantastic. It'd be really interesting to see what happens if we could actually uh, get it going in there as well. Uh, Jeff, let's talk a little NCAA tournament. We've got a few more minutes with you here. Um, I'm going to give you this question. Zags or the field, who are you taking for the NCAA title? I'm nervous about Gonzaga. Um, they have played so well for so long, and um, they got great chemistry. But I probably would take the field just because of um, teams like Illinois Alabama is dangerous. They mm-hmm. can get hot and they can beat anybody. I mean, anybody. Um, so there's in Michigan, I'm a little leery about them, but there's just enough good teams that can beat Gonzaga on any given night. I know Gonzaga got a great draw. They really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they might end up playing Virginia in the, um, in the Sweet 16, and then they might end up playing, what, Iowa, perhaps? In the, that's in, if, you, with that region, yeah. I really feel like that's a real topsy-turvy one, because yeah. I think Ohio could potentially beat Virginia. That's right. That's I mean, right. I think that's an upset for me. That's right. In Virginia, you know, they've been quarantined for right. a week. They haven't <sighs> even practiced. So you, there's lots of ifs here. You know, everybody's going to be in a bubble. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to go and do things. Um, practice might be limited. So the, the goal is to get the tournament. Mm-hmm and to get all the games played. Right. But it might be, there might be some upsets that are unforeseen in this whole thing. So I'd probably take the field. Okay. I'm rooting for Gonzaga, though. I think it would be an incredible accomplishment to go 32-0 and win the whole thing. I mean, it would be historic in nature. And uh, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be lots of difficult things in their path, like some of the things I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine getting to the national title game. You're three weeks in a bubble. Yeah. And it that that alone can you know how are kids going to handle that so um it'll be really interesting as this thing unfolds week by week jeff uh, looking at the first round matchups here which one's caught your eye right now that you're really looking forward to um i'm really interested to see um let's see who they play colgate play arkansas um it doesn't sound like much but, no, not really. Not usually. Not in a Colgate, usual year. Yeah, the Colgate, <laughs> the Colgate Raiders against the Arkansas Razorbacks, I think is going to be really interesting because Colgate plays, they spread it, mm-hmm. they shoot it quick within 15 seconds of possessing the basketball, many times shorter. They get up and down and they shoot it. If they shoot well, they can beat Arkansas. Arkansas is similar. That game could be in the 90s. So that, that'll be a fun game to watch. I think... Um, of course, I want to see how Oregon State does. Oh, absolutely, with Wayne Tinkle. Yep, I would love their on a roll. They're they're hot. I want to see what they do, and I also want to track Raleigh Wooster at Utah State in that team. I think that's a team that's dangerous because they're so solid, and they they have upperclassmen. Oh, Raleigh's a freshman, but they have a lot of upperclassmen, and I think they're a very solid team. Speaking of Riley, let me get your thoughts because you have been on the sidelines coaching against him. Did you see Raleigh being able to be this successful this quickly as a freshman on Utah State's roster? I have to admit, I was a little surprised. Um, he's been well coached over the years. Mm-hmm. He's super disciplined. He's had a major focus since he was, you know, eighth and ninth grade to play college basketball. The, the reason he's playing is that he can do everything well, and that is what is you know peculiar about this whole situation. You just don't see freshmen do that. So he's a great defender. He understands their defensive concepts. He understands defensive rotation. He's good with the ball. He doesn't turn it over a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's opportunistic with his shooting. He doesn't take very many bad shots. He just he plays like a senior in terms of his understanding, and here he is a freshman. Uh, that's going to be really helpful yeah. for Utah State over the course oh, yeah. of the next couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're here with Jeff Epperly from Flathead Braves Basketball. Jeff, uh, real quick, I, I know you're still working on your, your, your bracket here, but just give me your early final four thoughts. Who do you got in your four? Well, I got Gonzaga coming out of the West. I got Florida State um, knocking off Michigan, but then I have Alabama beating Florida State, so I got Alabama out of the East. Okay. Alabama's very dangerous with that coach, Nate Oates, and the way they play. They play a really peculiar style. Then I have Illinois and Baylor. I'm pretty much chalk across. And so the game that we didn't have early in the year, I'm hoping we have at the end of the year. We didn't have Gonzaga-Baylor last fall, mm-hmm. and that was canceled because of COVID concerns. I'm hoping we get it in the championship game. I have uh, Gonzaga playing Baylor, and I have Gonzaga beating Baylor. I think it'd be a tremendous game. No, that would be a really fun one. I think that would be a lot of fun to see that one because Baylor, I mean, Baylor and Houston, at least according to the analytics, have been the top three teams in those statistical categories, yeah. which would be really interesting. Yeah. So, because I, I have Houston and Baylor, and that would be a fun game. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> yeah. Along with, you know, Gonzaga taking on uh, Baylor or Houston, whoever that might be. So that would be really interesting. Jeff Epperly joining us here inside the Whitefish Credit Union Studios. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate the insight. Look forward to chatting with you again soon, my man. All right. Thanks. It was a blast. Thank you.